What's up, everybody? Welcome to the second ever episode of the Autumn Wind Podcast, an emergency episode because the busy day in free agency left me no choice but to record. And I'm so pumped up to talk to everybody about the moves the Raiders made today and some of the other moves that went down in the NFL. I think today provided a nice little distraction over what's going on in the world. Uh, Obviously, the NBA shut down, March Madness, so on and so forth. So it was nice to have some sports information that's changing and live and fluid versus just watching highlights on YouTube, which is pretty much what I've been doing since the NBA shut down uh, last week. So really exciting show. We're going to jump into the Mariota acquisition and the Nick Kwiatkowski acquisition. I don't know if I'm saying his last name right. Forgive me. Uh, But before we do all of that, I wanted to say thank you to everybody that tuned into the first episode of the Autumn Wind podcast, to everybody that gave the podcast a shout out, whether it was on Twitter or IG or everybody that texted me, called me. Very appreciative of the support and it was overwhelming. So for everybody that's tuning in, I thank you. And if this is your first time listening to the show, this is a Raiders podcast. We will talk about the Las Vegas Raiders. We're going to deep dive on all things that pertain to the silver and black. So really excited again. Thank you again for tuning in. And without further ado, we're going to jump right in to the Marcus Mariota acquisition. So on the previous episode, I really broke down every scenario that the Raiders could go through in regards to Derek Carr, whether it was replacing him with Brady or via the draft, looking at all of most of the free agent options, evaluating Carr's play, the pros and cons. But the most likely scenario that I stated on the Carr Conundrum podcast was that we signed Marcus Mariota to compete with Carr and to try to push Carr the way Tannehill pushed Mariota out of Tennessee. I spoke it into existence. I I talked about it, and here we are. Marcus Mariota is officially a Raider. It will be officially official on Wednesday when the league year uh, officially (laughs) starts. Uh, But Mariota is a Raider. That's the bottom line. And I think it just makes sense on so many different levels. For Mariota, for Gruden and Mayock, it's just a good move. It's a safe move. It's not going to break the bank. And it's a low-risk, high-reward situation. Just look at what happened in Tennessee last season. So I think the best way to evaluate this move is to pin Carr and Mariota head-to-head against each other to put into context what we're looking at. To be honest with you, I think it's going to be a very exciting training camp and preseason to watch these two battle it out. My prediction is that Gruden and Mayock and all of their media availability we'll kind of downplay it they'll talk about Carr as the incumbent he's a starter he's our guy but they wouldn't have brought Mariota in if Carr was completely solidified as a starter because yeah Mariota did not live up to his draft potential but he still has a lot of upside and he's still pretty young so let's take a look at the numbers of Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota head-to-head and then we could kind of make a decision or at least have some more context Uh, to what we're looking at in the first year in Vegas. So I'll start with Marcus Mariota. 
He's played five seasons in the league. He was drafted in 2015. Carr was drafted in 2014. So Carr has a year on him in the league, a little bit older. And Marcus Mariota's five seasons, he has 76 touchdown passes, 44 interceptions, and 11 rushing touchdowns. Derek Carr, 143 touchdowns, touchdown passes, 62 interceptions, and three rushing touchdowns. So, Derek Carr, significantly higher touchdown percentage than Mariota. He threw a lot more, but you got to take into account. Carr was drafted a year before Mariota, so he has essentially a full season more uh, of game tape and game experience. And Mariota was benched pretty early into the season last year. So Carr has about one one and a half years more experience. So take all of these numbers with a grain of salt. Carr has more repetitions under his belt for sure. The 62 interceptions to the 44 interceptions, I would say if Mariota, based on his pace, if he played as many seasons as Carr, he'd probably have around the same amount of interceptions. And then you look at the rushing touchdowns, obviously, Carr will never fool anybody to be a running quarterback where we know Mariota can be very deadly with his legs. He can definitely break the defense down in that regard. So moving along, passing yards, Carr also has a significant amount larger uh, in terms of passing yards. So Carr has about 23,000 yards passing through his six seasons. In Mariota's five seasons, he has 13,000 passing yards. So Carr is certainly... Uh, more of a traditional pocket quarterback and, and he's crushing Mariota in that regard. So uh, in rushing yards, it's, it's clearly going to be the flip side with Mariota being a very athletic quarterback. Mariota with 1,400 rushing yards, Carr with 495 uh, rushing yards. Carr does not like to run. So I think that's what's going to make it a little interesting is Mariota is going to bring a completely different dynamic to the offense than anything we've seen in the last six seasons. Carr is a pocket quarterback. He does not like to scramble. He does not improvise well. He does not do well when the play breaks down. Where Mariota on the flip side, you could even design run plays for Mariota, kind of similar to what you're seeing in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. So that's going to be a very interesting uh, thing to evaluate as we go forward. In terms of QBR, both quarterbacks are almost identical over the course of their careers. So Derek Carr has a 90.7 QBR and Mariota has 89.6. So they are, are neck and neck. But if you remember, I talked extensively about how quarterbacks in the NFL, they're ultimately evaluated on winning. It's not always fair, but that's just how the league works. So when you look at their win-loss records, both of these quarterbacks have underachieved. Uh, I think it's safe to say it. Mariota was a first-round pick. Carr was a second-round pick. And both quarterbacks have started a lot of games. So Mariota, he is 30-34 and 34, uh, in his career as a starter, where Derek Carr is 39-57. and 57. So both quarterbacks under 500. But this is interesting when you look at Mariota. He's finished above 500 three times in his career. He finished at 9-7 and seven in 2017, 2018, and 2019. Carr, on the other hand, who has been a starter since he came into the league, he started week one, 2014, against the New York Jets when the start the car hashtags were going all across social media. Carr only has one winning season. Of course, we remember 2016 when we went 12-4 and four 
and it was an exciting season and it was thrilling and a lot of comfort behind wins and points and and all of that before he got injured so Mariota has the edge over Carr in terms of winning uh, it's not the tell all uh, end all be all but something interesting to kind of think about now with Mariota it's been pretty well documented what happened to him last season he got benched in week six for Ryan Tannehill. The team had started off two and four. They were sputtering at best. And Tannehill came in. Mike Vrabel felt like it was time for a change. Tannehill ended up sparking that offense. I mean, Derrick Henry ran wild, absolutely wild. But Tannehill played well, and they made it all the way to the AFC title game. So. That was quite the turnaround and put Mariota in a very unfavorable position. It's tough to be the first-round pick, supposed to be the face of the franchise, and then you get replaced and benched, and the team seems to improve once you're not on the field. So that was tough. Uh, To Mariota's credit, he handled it well. Uh, Still a good locker room guy, very professional, uh, and there's no no love lost between Tennessee and Mariota. With Carr, as we all remember, He got booed off in the last uh, game in Oakland, literally booed off the field, which is tough. I really felt for the guy. Uh, I went to go talk to the fans, show some love, uh, but like myself and everybody else, uh, the fans in the Oakland Coliseum that day were absolutely upset that we lost to the Jaguars, blew the lead. We all remember. We all watched that game. So both quarterbacks have been through a lot. They've both had some adversity. They've both had some pretty good moments and some pretty dark moments. Most recently, both of them coming off of kind of a dark, weird season. Although Carr wasn't benched, there was really nobody worthy of benching him for on the roster. But Carr wasn't benched, had a good statistical season like I talked about last episode. But it still kind of left a weird taste in the mouth of Raider Nation where I don't know if everybody's 100% sold on Carr now. This could be a great move. In, in really multiple ways. It can light a fire under Derek Carr that I think has been lacking because now he has to have some serious questions about his job security. Or on the flip side, Marcus Mariota could have his own renaissance and light the stadium on fire with his athleticism and, and, and really reinvent himself. So that's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out over time. Um, so as we continue to sorry one second as we continue to take a look at both of these guys head to head both guys have had one playoff season as a starter for Marcus Mariota that was in 2017 for Derek Carr that was in 2016 something that's really interesting is that Derek Carr is 3 and 0 against Marcus Mariota 2015, 2016, and 2017. Derek Carr has Marcus Mariota's number when they play head-to-head. If I'm not mistaken, all three of those games were in Tennessee as well. So Carr was on the road, and he outperformed Mariota. So maybe there's something about Mariota that brings the best out of Carr. And if that's the case, then we should see a resurgent Derek Carr in 2020, and that would be pretty cool. On the flip side, and I think this was the most interesting statistic that I looked at. I was actually staggered when I when I came across this and it really resonated with me that Marcus Mariota in the 2018 playoffs, which was obviously from the 2017 regular season, Marcus Mariota won a road game 
in Kansas City in the cold weather in January. Derek Carr is 0-6. I'll repeat that. Derek Carr is 0-6 in his career in Kansas City. And he was getting hounded last season leading up to that game. And he followed it up with another dud of a performance. So that's got to be something that Gruden and Mayock are aware of. And something they're going to keep a close eye on. Now, what's the takeaway when you break down this head-to-head? Obviously, I, I went in on most of the key stats. Not all of them, but most of them. Both comparable players in terms of the overall production. Not a ton of winning. They both had some bright spots in their careers. Mariota's more of a runner. Carr is definitely more of a pocket passer. Both have been maligned by the media at different times. They're both great guys. I don't think anyone would ever question that. They're both team first, uh, always positive attitudes, always say the right things. No one's ever going to question that. Stylistically, they're much different than each other. But the bottom line is, I think we're going to have an open competition, which is going to be great. Competition certainly brings the best out of everybody. And if you're not comfortable going toe-to-toe with somebody else, then you shouldn't be in the league. So I'm very excited. I hope this brings the best out of both guys and may the best man win. And this, this is not the last we're going to talk about this. I'm, I'm sure the preseason is going to be lit, as, uh, as I like to say. So moving along, the first transaction we made today was actually before the Mariota news was the signing of linebacker Nick Kwiatkowski. I'm going to have to get confident using that name. It's a, it's a long name, or maybe it has a nickname that somebody goes by. We'll, we'll find out. So for the purposes of this podcast, I'm just going to call him Nick. So Nick was signed to a three-year, $21 million deal. Now, prior to this signing, it seemed like Corey Littleton was the hot name linked to the Raiders, and I really like Corey Littleton. I think he was also a good fit. He's still unsigned, at least at the time I'm recording this podcast. Corey Littleton is still available on the market. I don't think we'll sign him. I don't know if we're going to spend that much money on one position, but he's still out there. Just just putting that out there for all the all the listeners out there. So we went with Nick. Nick is not going to command as much money as Corey Littleton. Littleton will definitely reset the market for linebackers next year on the free agent market. So a little more modest of a signing. A little bit on Nick Kwiatkowski if you're not familiar with him. He was a fourth-round pick out of West Virginia. Started a few games here and there in the first few years of his career, but he was never really a full-time starter until midway through last season. So Danny Trevathan, who's a former Bronco, we would play him twice a year, now with the Bears. He went down with a season-ending elbow injury, which opened up the opportunity for Nick to become a full-time starter. He capitalized on that opportunity. So in eight starts last year, Nick recorded 76 tackles, three sacks, and one interception in eight starts. That's good production. Mind you, he had a lot more talent around him in Chicago. Of course, we all remember Khalil Mack, and I'm sure Mack will be a recurring name that pops up on the podcast here and there. Much love to Khalil Mack. But Nick definitely has some talent around him, but credit to him, he was productive. He took advantage of his opportunity, and now he's getting paid. And it reminds me of a signing we actually had a while back at the linebacker position. It was Nick Roach. Kind of a similar situation where he was kind of a special team guy, a depth guy in Chicago, but when he got his opportunity, he really impressed, was a steady, reliable player, and he ended up getting 
uh, signed to the Raiders. Um, so why is this deal important? The Raiders, and I love the Raiders more than anybody else, but our linebacker play for well over a decade has been bottom of the league. To, and, and that's really putting it nicely. To finally, and I hope he is part of the solution at linebacker, but to finally have somebody that seems to be reputable, to finally to have spent some decent money early in free agency on a linebacker is great news. It was tough for Raider Nation. I know it was tough for me to watch the linebacker play in 2019 and even in 2018 and, and past that, but particularly last season. So uh, some interesting stats I'm going to share with you guys on how Nick Kwiatkowski matched up against Tahir Whitehead, Nicholas Morrow, and everybody else that played linebacker for the Raiders last year. So this is from Josh Dubow of uh, the Associated Press. So the Raiders linebackers had 17 pressures and zero, I repeat, zero sacks in 109 rush snaps last season. That was in 2019. Zero sacks. The entire linebacker core. Every blitz. Never sacked the quarterback. Kwiatkowski alone... And remember, he only had eight starts. In eight starts, had 11 pressures, three sacks on 35 pass rush snaps. That's already an upgrade uh, over any of our linebackers. Significant upgrade. It wasn't hard to upgrade from Tahir Whitehead. Sorry, Tahir, if you're listening to this podcast, I apologize, but it's the truth. It was not hard to upgrade from Tahir Whitehead, but this is a pretty significant upgrade. So you got to be excited about it if, the, if you're the Raider Nation. John Middlecoff quoted a scout that that uh, touched on Nick, and this is an exact quote. Good player, violent with pop, athletic enough, smart, not great in coverage, but functional. I'll take that. And when you watch a little bit of his highlights, you can kind of see that. He's not an overwhelmingly great athlete, but he's steady, probably middle-of-the-pack athleticism, above-average instincts, which as at the linebacker position, you have to be great instinctually when you diagnose plays, and violent with the pop. Uh, he had an interception that you'll have to go look it up. I believe it was against the Vikings. Very impressive interception. Uh, good to see. So good, young, emerging player, up and coming. He's definitely going to be cheaper than Corey Littleton, which will allow us to help address other areas. Uh, and despite that, I still think we should draft a linebacker relatively high, whether it's in the first round or one of our three third round picks i think you definitely have to continue to address this group last year we took i believe it was only five linebackers on the active roster going into the regular season and i know we play a lot of nickel for anyone who's not familiar with that it's generally when you have only two linebackers on the field played a lot of nickel but man it, it was it was it was tough to watch so nick kukowski is a raider I would like to draft another linebacker and even bring back a guy like Will Compton, who I think came in late in the year and was a productive player for us. He's a little older. I believe he's in his early 30s. Uh, but I think we should definitely look into bringing back Will Compton. So those were our two acquisitions, and it's been less than 24 hours since free agency opened. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot more to talk about as this week progresses. But it was definitely a busy day for Mike Mayock and John Gruden. Missed out on Byron Jones, but it's okay. I think rarely is the hottest name on free agency. The guy who gets paid the most, rarely are they the ones who have the best seasons to follow that up. So not too worried about it. There's other good corners on the market. 
I'm sure we'll take a long look at Chris Harris and, and others. Uh, but those were the two moves that we made so far. More to come. And uh, in other just league notes around the league, we all know receiver is by far our biggest uh, need. It's our biggest area of opportunity. Uh, just as much, if not more, than linebacker, which we just addressed linebacker. But some interesting moves around the league. I, I, I chuckle that DeAndre Hopkins got traded to the Cardinals for a second-round pick and David Johnson. David Johnson played last year towards ACL the previous year. Um, that was an absolute heist by the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray gets a DeAndre Hopkins in his prime. Larry Fitzgerald, they drafted Andy Isabella. It's a great move for the Cardinals and kind of a head-scratcher for the Texans. I think that's what happens when your head coach is also your GM. There's no sense of checks and balances, and I even talked about that last episode with Hugh Jackson back in 2011 when he traded for Carson Palmer. Bad move for Houston. Bad move for Houston, good move for the Cardinals. Why is that important for the Raiders? That's important because the Cardinals select before the Raiders, and they were a team rumored to look at receivers. So now you'd have to think with Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Andy Isabella, they look pretty good at the wide receiver position, and they need to protect Kyler. So I think it's a good chance they'll go offensive tackle, which means what? That means Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and Ruggs will be more likely to slide and be available at 12, which is important because I really think we need to get one of those three guys. And I'll get into that in a later episode, but that was pretty interesting. Stefan Diggs traded to the Bills. Uh, I think that was a good win for both sides. The Vikings uh, clearly uh, and Diggs were, were on their way to separation, and the Bills are good. Josh Allen gets a legitimate weapon. And then our old friend Amari Cooper finally gets paid. He gets a five-year, $100 million contract. I know it didn't end well with Cooper, uh, obviously, when the Mac trade, and then we traded him, and, and he had some things to say. But wish him all the best. Glad he... Uh, got paid. Uh, he, he's a good dude at the end of the day. So let's see what happens the rest of this this week. I'm sure it's going to be a productive week, but the bottom line is we've got a linebacker that's formidable and uh, we've got some competition for cars. So let's see how it progresses. That's a wrap for day one of free agency. It was certainly an eventful day and left the Raider Nation with a lot to be excited about. But guess what? We are not done. Still plenty of cap space, plenty of areas of need that we have to address, and I am confident that we will. And by the time we record the next pod, I'm confident that our roster will be significantly upgraded as it was today. So thanks for everybody for tuning in. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at AutumnWindPod. I look forward to talking with you guys and breaking down whatever comes next. Have a good day, everybody.